Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Every one of us has that that dream job, right? You're thinking about it, I'm thinking about it. Some of us have our dream job. Some of us are still working towards it. Some of us have said, well, I'm never going to get it. But everybody who's in any sort of the work world has the dream job. Well, what if you get your dream job? What if you are going to be the CEO of Levi's? And then you discover you're, well, you're not really supposed to speak freely or think for yourself. Jennifer Say finds herself in this position. Jennifer Say, I, I would go through your resume, Jennifer, but it is, it's just filled with all sorts of overachievement. And um, <laughs> I, 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 I feel already a kinship because you're from South Jersey. I'm a Philly guy. And uh, my oldest boy is a junior at Stanford. So we got one or two things we could chat ah, about. Yes. Me, yeah. Yeah. I was born in Philly, actually. I would call my, consider myself Philly bred. Okay. So we, yeah, I, I was born there. My dad uh, worked there for over 60 years. Uh, my whole family is from Philadelphia. So well, we are both Philly kids, and, and I did go to Stanford. So congrats yeah. to your son. Well, thank you. Thank you. I have to sell my, my other kidney next year to pay for his senior uh, I, year out I there. I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just crazy. So so explain it to everybody, because as, as I mentioned this the other day, I mentioned uh, your name, and people went, oh, well, she was, like a, she was an Olympian. She's a gymnast. She's all of these things. Give everybody just a, a, a little glimpse at what you have accomplished, and then let's talk about Levi's and what happened there in this brand new book of yours. Yeah, sure. I had a very unusual childhood. I was an elite gymnast. That's the level elite. That's what they call it when you compete you know, for your country and you travel around the world. And I made my first national team at 10 years old, I think. Wow junior national team and eventually I was the 1986 national champion so definitely kind of reached the highest level um, but I will say it's a really really tough sport would be an understatement you know yeah. the coaching culture is one of extreme cruelty mm. and I left the sport despite all my successes feeling um, quite like a I, like a failure, you know, ashamed and like a failure and kind of unraveling from the years and years of emotional and physical abuse. And, and the injuries are really, really quite severe. Um, so that, you know, went well while I was doing it. It didn't end particularly well. And I continued to suffer for many years from the abuses in the sport. That said, I went on to Stanford and um, I started working at Levi's in 1999. I worked there all in almost 23 years. I worked my way up um, from the very bottom. I was an entry-level marketing assistant when I started, and I was the brand president when I left. Dare I say it, I was pretty well liked when I was there, and I was on track um, you know, to become the, the next CEO. But I, in March of 2020, I was very outspoken about school closures and the harms that would be done to children 
in my city where I used to live of San Francisco schools all in were closed for 18 months. Um, and that, you know, public schools across this country, half of them were closed for about that long. That's right. You know, That's close right. to 25 million students had disrupted schooling for, um, for close to two years, which is, which is kind of nuts. And of course, we're now seeing that everything I was saying is playing itself out. We're seeing tremendous yep. learning loss, the mental health impacts, chronic absenteeism at all time highs. That's right. But it was a very controversial thing to say, certainly in March 2020, but even in January 2022, which is when I was told there would not be a place for me in the company anymore. And I was warned over the course of the two years that I needed to stop um, by my peers and my boss, the CEO, all while they were sending their own children to in-person private school, oh, of, course. of course. And I didn't stop because I felt it was too important. And I ended up being shoved out of the company. Now, Jennifer, I have to uh, ask you about your own personal political perspective, at least in the past, because I've got to I've got to say this up front. Yeah, I haven't met you at too many of our vast right wing conspiracy meetings. I make a mall and I haven't <laughs> seen you there. Right. You're... You know, I haven't been at those. And I also am wondering where my dark money is, is when my check's going to come, because I've been also told that I am a grifter you know ah, ingratiating oh, myself with this dark money but oh. all i know is i gave up a lot of a lot of money so that yeah. i could speak freely um no i have not been um part of your network <laughs> at the, at the, uh, the alt-right conspiracy meetings i'd no. be happy to attend right. um I, I come from the left Yep. I, you know, I'm not anymore. I don't feel like those labels even apply anymore. I don't even know what that means, left yes. or right. I right. I feel like I've stayed true to my values and that uh, my eyes were open to the fact that the party I'd been a part of, the progressive kind of movement I'd been a part of, really abandoned everything they said they cared about. I, I really didn't change. You know, I always right. was a firm believer in public schools and equal opportunity and um being kind to your neighbor and, yeah. you know, giving, yeah. giving, um, you know, those with less an opportunity for a, you know, a better future. And, that's, and right. that's what this was about um, for me. And, and so I just, I, if you, you know, the left is so dogmatic, hmm. you know, I won't speak about the right because, you know, that's not the party I've been a part of for over 30 years, but it's, if you veer from the orthodoxy and the accepted narrative, one tiny bit, if you even ask a question, you are ousted with such religious fervor, um, it really will make your head spin. And, yes. you know, for daring the, to ask the question, should we really keep these children out of school for this long? Is this really the best thing? Yes. You know, I was called racist, eugenicist anti-science i was anti-trans i'm not even sure what that has to do with it but like once you're one terrible thing you're just all the terrible things my gosh now you were if i understand it correctly and reading through your book and some of the background material that i've been able to dig up uh you you helped levi's through to put it mildly a difficult time did you not yeah, absolutely. I mean, the brand and the business was really struggling for a very long time. They'd lost their way. They failed to kind of compete in a new world with new distribution and, you know, more competition. And um, in 2011, it's not really a secret. It's often written about by the business press. 
we didn't know if we were going to make it after close to 150 years. And we had a new CEO and he put me in the job of chief marketing officer in 2013. And I was a huge part. I think he would even admit it now, even if he doesn't like me much anymore, of the transformation that ultimately led us to a very successful um, IPO in 2019. Right. Right. Because, I mean, this company has been around for 100 plus years, right? Levi Strauss is out there looking for gold nuggets in California or whatever and decides, geez, these uh, these denim things that... uh, Many of us used to call uh, blue jeans or or dungarees, even a generation before that. All of a sudden, they become a fashion statement. But Levi's, as you say, sort of of loses their way. And uh, you you bring them back. You're able to bring them back. It would just seem to me in that corporate world, and Lord knows I've never been at a level like yours, but it would seem to me that they would say, look, Jennifer, you've done great stuff, and and we want to keep you around and and keep doing what you're doing. It just the idea that they would essentially, and and you, you... make the uh the distinction here but essentially say to you you can either shut up or you can go right i mean that's what they said yeah i mean it went on for two years you know it was you really need to stop when you speak you speak on behalf of the company and i would say no i don't i'm a mom with four kids my kids go to public schools your kids are in school why can't my kids go to school Mm -hmm. and you know more than my kids why can't the fifty thousand children of San Francisco who are in public schools, 60% of whom are low income, why can't they have what your children have? And, you know, this was all sort of amidst the, um, the protests of the summer of 2020 after George Floyd yep. was murdered. Yep. And if you recall, everybody was talking about equality and Black Lives Matter. And, and I just was astonished at this sort of trespass of their own values you know we made all these proclamations at levi's about doing our part to fight for equality and yet keeping children there is nothing that impedes that march towards equality more than denying a child an education and so even though i was asked to stop i didn't and it should you know people say well didn't you have some sort of contract that prohibited you from talking about politics no and in fact i've been outspoken about my left-leaning politics in the past and that was fine so (laughs) the issue really was that i was pushing back against the democratic party yes I should remind everyone, this is not your first book, right? Chalked Up My Life in Elite Gymnastics is another one that people ought to be looking at. But, Jennifer, I look at the subtitle on this. Levi's unbuttoned at the top, but the woke mob took my job but gave me my voice. Are are you okay now? Will you ever work in corporate America again? Well, it's getting close to a year since I resigned very publicly. And the way it all ended was, you know, my boss told me in January of 22 that there wouldn't be a place for me anymore at the company. They offered me severance of a million dollars. I did not want to sign a non-disclosure agreement that would guarantee my silence on the matter and the, and the, the sort of, um, you know, why I was no longer with the terms of my departure. Sure. I wanted to be able to speak openly about that because the censorship to me was becoming so alarming um, and so necessary to speak about so we could get back to some sort of normalization of debate and dissent in this world. So I I resigned very publicly in February. So it's coming up to about a year. Okay. I am okay. You know, I have my moments. I've lost a lot of friends. I lost all my colleagues. Mm-hmm. Um, I live in a new place, so my life is sort of unrecognizable. But I'm doing what I love, and I wrote the book, and I get to talk to folks like you and hopefully encourage 
people to read the book. And what I really want is that what I would love is if the book just inspired people to just stand up, you know, use your voice a little bit every day in your life. Don't be too afraid because if we give in to this pressure to censor ourselves, we're going to lose the opportunity and we're not going to get it back. That's exactly right. Jennifer Say is with us. Her uh, her book is called Levi's Unbutton. We'll get the uh, the links up everywhere. I'm going to make sure I put it up, Jennifer, in my uh, uh, my bookstore on my website as well. And I, I will tell you that you remind me a lot of another frequent guest on this program, and that's Alan Dershowitz. And uh, Professor Dershowitz and I have never agreed on anything, at least up until the last couple of years. And he has been consistent, though, and honest in his concern for the Constitution and the right to speak freely. And he's been unfriended. He can't go to parties in, yeah. in Cambridge or on the Vineyard anymore. And he says, I've been, I've been going to these parties for 50 years. All of a sudden now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's like somebody dropped something nasty on the chair. I don't even get the invites. And he's had people turn around when they've seen him show up at a party. And so now uh, at, wow. 80, what did he tell us, 82 the other day? Uh, he's like, yeah, I, I have zero social life. And I just think that's yeah. terrible that you you would lose people who are supposed to be friends over this sort of a disagreement. Yeah, it's incredibly unfortunate. But what happened, at least in my experience, it's been happening over the last few years, but it definitely was solidified and accelerated during COVID is you couldn't just disagree on the policy. If you disagreed with lockdown forever, every mandate, every closure, if you disagreed with that, you weren't just having a policy disagreement, you were evil. That's right. And so That's and right. so of course who wants to be friends with evil people, you know? So <laughs> so they feel justified in shunning you and this is why people are afraid to say what they think because who wants to be shunned in that way? It's horrible. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's not fun, but you do find a new community of people willing to speak up and challenge and think for themselves and and so it will be okay. You know, that's what I tell folks. Okay. Well, uh, you don't need me to tell you, but you're obviously brilliant, and uh, you're 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 standing up on principle, and I I can't tell you how much I admire that. I'm going to uh, uh, use our social media platforms to uh, send people to uh, to get your book. Is the best way just Amazon? Amazon works. You can buy it direct from the publisher at Levi'sOnButton.com, BarnesandNoble.com. It's got all that you can get. You know, eBooks and audio. I did the audio. Okay. which may or may not be a good thing at all, or just a regular old regular old hardback. But yeah, Amazon's the easiest way, probably. All right, well, we will share that, and I have one, well, actually, I have two favors of you. Number one, if you are willing and available, I'd love to have you back in a couple of weeks. We'll just catch up about some of the stuff going on. And number two, as I gaze at my bookcase, I got to get you to sign a copy for me. Would you mind? I'll ship back my I copy if to. you want, but I don't want you to lose any money, but... Uh, I want one that we'll figure it. Uh, we'll figure it out. I'll talk right. to AJ and we'll figure it out. Yeah, you got it. No I, problem. I love it. Listen, Jennifer, thank you so much for being here. And I do look forward to chatting with you again in the not too distant future. That is Jennifer say she's a brilliant woman. Uh, she was willing to stand up during COVID and say, listen, all you folks who are corporate biggies, I mean, bigger than her. You're, you're spending how much money on private school? Your kids are in school? How come my four kids can't go to school? You've locked down every single public school. How come the poor kids in the city of San Francisco can't go to public school? You've locked them down. But your children are still in school because you got money. How many of us were in exactly that same situation? 
Jennifer Say walked away from her dream job to be CEO of Levi's because she dared to say, I'm not sure if I go along with this. And the next thing you know, she's evil. Well, I got news for her. I don't think she's evil. I think she's brilliant. I think she's courageous. I think she's heroic. And I think you want to get a copy of Levi's Unbuttoned. The woke mob took my job, but gave me my voice. Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRBA. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.